6, verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them, gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So we're having a talent show where talent is optional. We uh, did know about this in our home, and I've actually uh, threatened to sing at the talent show. And my kids and my wife, uh, I, I, I love to sing. But I don't know if any of you have had this experience where you sing and people actually ask you to be quiet. Have, have, you, ever, have you ever had that experience? I am not kidding. One day... I remember this day in seminary. I just love to sing with all of these men who are called to ministry and just worshiping God and having these awesome times. And I'm just sitting there, my eyes are closed. I'm just belting out just this worshipful time. And then I look, and a guy standing next to me is just busting up laughing. <laughs> Everyone else in the whole place is just singing praises to God, and he's just laughing at my voice. So, um, so anyway, I've threatened my, my family to tell them that I'm going to sing at the talent show. We'll see if I can come up with a song. They're shaking their heads now. What do you guys think? Yeah? <laughs> Mr. Sloan said we, talent's optional, so um, we'll, see. we'll see what happens with this, with this talent show. <laughs> All right. Well, shifting gears dramatically here, um, how many of you here have walked the road with a family member with a loved one, uh, a road of, of cancer, a road of chronic suffering, pain. Ha, raise, raise your hands. How many of us have, and maybe you've been there yourself, you've, you've walked that road. Um, man, many, us, many of us have been there. And the passage that Jared just read, which is the passage I'm preaching from today, uh, for those of you that have been there, you have an understanding as to why this massive, massive crowd would go out into the middle of nowhere. 
the feeding of the 5,000, you may not be aware, is the only section of Scripture, uh, the only miraculous healing of Jesus that is recorded in all four Gospels. Uh, We have the resurrection, death and resurrection of Jesus in all four Gospels, but aside from that, as far as his public ministry, this is the only uh, thing there. We know from some of the other Gospel writers that this was an extremely remote place where thousands and thousands of people have traveled. And we learn in just these first verses of of chapter 6 that they are there because they saw the miraculous signs that he had performed on the sick. And so for those who have been there, we, we would do whatever we could to get that loved one who is suffering to receive the compassion and the healing that Jesus uh, was, was um, healing so many during his public ministry. Um, the crowd was absolutely enormous. Uh, we, we'll read later in just a few moments, there's 5,000 men and not including women and children. So there could have been ten or 15,000 people. Uh, imagine uh, Arco Arena, but not at Arco Arena, in the middle of the Sierra Wilderness, where there are no facilities, no food. This enormous crowd has gathered. And a big reason for that was to alleviate the suffering of the people. That's what drew so many people there. This, this last week, uh, our family was in Southern California for a family reunion was really sweet. We had a wonderful time, but there was a, a difficult aspect to uh, our gathering. And Michelle's uh, mother, I snapped this uh, picture of her mother and father, her mother here. Uh, you probably can't tell that she is, uh, from this picture, she's lost most of her hair. Her uh, eyesight is going. Her hearing is going. She's struggling to walk. And there is just tremendous suffering. Uh, she's in stage four uh, lung cancer. And so, so many of you, almost hands went up all over this place. Uh, I, I'm sharing all this so that we have an understanding of the setting and the scene of this passage of Scripture and why up to maybe 20,000 people, 15,000 people would have traveled to the middle of nowhere where there's no food, there's no uh, facilities, there's, there's nothing there they're there uh, to be healed by Jesus. Now, interestingly, John doesn't tell us about any healing that takes place. What he tells us about is this miraculous multiplication of the loaves and the fish and this feeding of all of these people. We're going to look at it in detail in just a few moments. But what is stunning and what is shocking is after Jesus feeds this huge crowd of people that they want to take him by force and he has to sneak away. And there's something for us in that. We're going we're gonna to see this. Um, the, they want him to be their king now. They want to take him by force because of the oppression they were uh, under with the Roman Empire. And this is what they want. And we have the same kinds of heart issues ourselves where we want Jesus to meet particular needs in our lives. And we sometimes think of him in the same way that these people do. He's fed us. He's done this healing. We need him in the White House is basically what they're uh, after. And we often think that Jesus is going to fix my situation at work or to fix my children or to fix my spouse or to fix this. But these signs, this is one of them, these signs in John's gospel are pointing to something much bigger than him simply alleviating 
the felt needs that we have. And we're going to look at these today and see that Jesus is much bigger than satisfying those felt needs that we have. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray once again before we get into this passage. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. We pray as we read it now that we would understand it and that we would be changed. We pray that we would see the message in this passage and and also in a larger way in the Gospel of John that points not to Jesus merely satisfying hunger or healing sickness, but Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, including our own. We pray that we would see that he is bigger today as we go through this passage. We ask that your spirit would guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. I think you're already there, but it's John chapter 6. Uh, if you're not, it's on page 891 in, your, uh, in the Bibles in the chairs in front of you. So if you don't have one, just if you don't have a Bible with you, just grab one of those and pull it out. Uh, we're going to begin here. I'm going to go through these first uh, four verses. It says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. We see here right at the outset we have a clue about how John is operating in his gospel. He is not, um, he is not one that is tremendously concerned with, uh, with sequence or, or chronology. We see in these first words here, sometime after this, he's crossed over uh, to the Sea of Galilee. As I mentioned uh, earlier, he is in a remote place. We know this from the other, the other gospel writers. This great crowd of people has followed him because of these miraculous signs that he has done. Um, in John's gospel, this word signs is very significant. It has a specific meaning. And we're going to talk a, a little bit about that. It goes all the way back to John chapter 2, where uh, the Bible says this, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, beholding his signs which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. So he knows that these signs, these miraculous things that he is doing are causing great attention. And people are recognizing that, that he is uh, from God. They're recognizing all f- sorts of things about him. They're even, in a sense, believing in him, but they are not believing in him as the Lamb of God. They're not believing in him as the one who came as Messiah to die for the sins of the world and to be raised. They are recognizing him as the one who will bring healing, as the one who will bring, bring bread. Uh, one commentator writes this. He says, uh, Jesus looked for genuine conversion, not enthusiasm for the spectacular. And that's part of what we uh, see happening in this section of Scripture. And although we may not necessarily be looking for the spectacular uh, in our own lives, we have the same sinful hearts that are represented by the crowd in this passage. Well, we want Jesus to fix things. We want Jesus to do this in our lives. And we need to be very careful of this tendency. Now, I want to uh, clue you in just kind of to the signs that are here in this gospel, one of which 
we are looking at today, uh, commentators uh, have identified seven signs in John's gospel. Let's just take a look at these briefly uh, on the screen. Uh, The first sign is water into wine at Cana, his miracle in John 2. Then we have the healing of the official son in John 4. We have the healing of the paralytic at the pool in John 5. And then where we are today, the feeding of the 5,000. Next week, we're going to look at at the miracle where Jesus walks on water, healing of the man born blind. And then uh, finally, this, this final sign before we move into the passion and Jesus suffering on the cross and his resurrection, we have this beautiful uh, final sign where Jesus, uh, his friend that he loved so much, Lazarus, has been dead for four days, and he raises him from the dead. And these signs, uh, go, if, we, if we go back to this passage uh, here, these signs have the, the tendency on the crowds and the people for them to focus on what Jesus is going to do for them instead of believing ultimately that these signs are all pointing to the gospel. They are all pointing to what is about to come. And this is, again, a tendency that we have as well. So in these first uh, four verses, uh, we see that Jesus is more than someone who performs miracles. He is more than someone who brings healing into people's lives. He does that, and he does that today, but he does much more than that. And that is one of the, the, main, that is the main message of the Gospel of John, that he is much more than a healer and a miracle worker. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's move on uh, to verse 5. Uh, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Phil- Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages, or 200 denarii, would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Uh, Philip seems to be the kind of guy where the glass is uh, half empty, doesn't he? Some of us are like, like uh, Philip. Uh, he, is, he is just, uh, there is no way that this is going to happen. Uh, the, there's, just, there's just no way. So then take a look at verse 8. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Andrew uh, seems to be the kind of guy who, um, who, uh, who sees the glass half full. And he identifies this boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Now it's interesting that uh, John records these details. For example, that the loaves are barley loaves. And in those days... Only the poor would have bread made of barley. Those who were middle class or upper class would have uh, bread and loaves uh, made of wheat. So we have uh, a very meager amount of food presented here, but we see uh, the optimism and the faith uh, in Andrew and Simon Peter's brother who comes to Jesus, shows him what we have, have this enormous crowd, thousands and thousands of people, 10, 15,000 people, maybe more, Look at Jesus' response in verse 10. Uh, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And Jesus takes the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. 
we see Jesus satisfying the needs of these people, and yet John is wanting us to see that Jesus goes so much further than satisfying physical needs. Uh, In John, back to chapter 1, in verse 45, we see a Philip again who understands who Christ is from the very beginning. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I got a little bit out of, out of whack here, but I'm, I'm thankful for, uh, for people like uh, Philip. Um, or I'm, I'm thankful for people like, um, I'm, I just lost my train of thought here. Excuse me just a moment. We'll just move on. I just lost my train of thought here. I was trying to go back and and uh, just totally lost that. Jesus is more than someone who satisfies the hungry. This is what we're seeing in verses 5 through 9. And let's just jump ahead and look at verses 26 and 27. Um, Jesus says there in verse 26, he says, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So we see a similar theme here in this sign that we saw in John chapter uh, 2 with, uh, or, or with a woman at the well, rather, where Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you living water. Don't focus on the physical water. I am going to give you living water that will live and satisfy you forever. So Jesus is more than someone who performs miracles. He is more than someone who satisfies uh, the hungry. Let's, uh, let's continue on here at verse 12. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So we see a couple things here in verses 12 and 13. We see uh, that Jesus is uh, concerned about not wasting. They gathered these 12 baskets, um, and, and he wants uh, there not to be waste. He's concerned, but I think primarily what we want to see here is this massive, massive miracle, that there is this massive amount of food, 12 baskets left over for those uh, who have eaten. Uh, in, in verse 12 and 13, this is, this is what we see. Look at verse 14. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So, we have the surprise at the end. They do this, Jesus does this amazing miracle, and the people want to take him by force. They want to make him king now. So Jesus is more than someone who replaces unjust governments, is, is the summary that, I, that I'm coming up with uh, here. Um, we, again, have hearts 
uh, like these folks who want Jesus to satisfy. We want him to fix our church. We want him to fix our kids. We want him to fix our marriage. And he often um, doesn't respond that way. Sometimes he does. But here he has to go away uh, from them. One commentator writes this. He says, uh, he who is already king has come to open his kingdom to men. But in their blindness, men try to force him to be the kind of king they want. Thus, they fail to get the king they want, and they also lose the kingdom he offers. We want Jesus sometimes to be the sort of king that we want, and when that happens, we misunderstand who he is and what he's about. He's more than someone who replaces unjust governments. Calvin uh, writes this. He says, if he had permitted himself to be now made a king, his spiritual kingdom would have been ruined, the gospel would have been stamped with everlasting infamy, and the hope of salvation would have been utterly destroyed. The feeding of the 5,000, the signs in John's gospel, are all intended to point us to what he ultimately did, the reason that he came, to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we see this being the purpose of this gospel in both chapter 1 and in the end. Uh, Take a look in chapter 1 and verse 29. Uh, He saw, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then we have this final statement, the final purpose statement in John's gospel, John chapter 20. Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of, his, of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, God, we thank you that you love us so much. We confess to you, Father, that our hearts are sometimes seeking to make you the kind of king that we want instead of the kind of king that you are. Sometimes, God, you remove pain and suffering from our lives. Sometimes you supply the food that we need. Other times you choose to allow us to suffer and to struggle. But ultimately, God, you look for us to see your provision in Jesus dying for our sins, being raised on the third day, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to believe completely and totally in him. Help us to see that these signs are pointing to that gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? You're my sacrifice of greatest price and still more. 
supply. 